My name is Sean Sunderland, and I'm an expert brand strategist and personal guide. My clients refer to me as a brand healer because I bring all the things that are out of consistency with your brand back into alignment to level up your business. I learned all my knowledge through building my own personal brands, my CBD brand, Feel CBD, went across Canada and became a multi-million dollar brand. It was sold across all provinces in 250 plus stores, and I learned everything it takes to connect with your desired audience, to land your messaging, to build your messaging, to understand what positioning is, to get into the, the minds of your customers so they understand exactly who you are and why they're buying your product. Through this, I've developed my current company, which is Brand Roots, which is all about helping you guys apply what I learned in building a multi-million dollar brand. Come brand with me. <laughs> Welcome to Leaders and Managers Hope the Podcast. And as you've just heard, we are joined by Sean Sunderland. Thank you very much, Sean, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're based in Mexico, right? Yes, I'm based in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Right. So I just want to ask, because we're here in the UK, what's the temperature like in Mexico right now? Uh, right now, I'd say it's about 28, 28 degrees Celsius. I hate that. It's like six degrees and horrible and raining here in the UK. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I might be moving. Um, Sean, wonderful to have you. Thank you for joining us. Let's start off by understanding a little bit about Sean Sunderland, the person. Tell us a bit about your backstory, how you've got to Mexico and how you've got to brand roots. And then we'll we'll unpack some stuff around what you do professionally and, and how you add value to your to your client base and to hopefully future clients that are listening to this podcast. So let's start off by understanding a little more about who Sean is, please. Yeah, perfect. Uh, my family and I decided to move to Mexico a year and a half ago. Um, we felt that it was kind of the perfect storm for our family to make a change. My wife and I are big travelers. We've traveled 34 countries together and uh, I've always wanted to live abroad. That was before we had kids. Obviously, kids always make uh, things a little bit more challenging. But, uh, you know, once my previous business shut down the May prior to us moving and my wife's business wasn't having much success because we were dealing with the pandemic and she was in the food industry. She had a vegan pastry business. And uh, because of that, she was having a hard time selling and, you know, having access to going into stores. And we decided that it was kind of the perfect storm. It was now or never if we were going to take the leap of faith and have uh, the experience that we've always wanted to have of living in a foreign country and decided to move to, Canada, to Mexico. And during that time, um, like I said, my previous business, I closed its doors and I've taken all the knowledge that I learned from being an entrepreneur for the past decade and building brands and developed brand roots. Brand roots, like I said in my intro, it's all about foundation. It's about getting really clear on who you're talking to, how you're talking to them. Is your messaging aligned with your product, your service? And now I consult for clients on an ongoing basis. And, you know, I've been having a lot of success and love it. Hmm. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your, the CBD business that you had. We're very interested in the UK because this is quite a, like an emerging market. And there's still a lot of, uh, how would we describe it? There's a lot of, you got to kind of split out the rhetoric from the reality of these things uh, in the media, particularly in the UK. But we're slowly starting to appreciate the the healing benefits of CBD oils and, it, you know, how it gets retailed and stuff. So just tell us a little bit about how you came to have that business, what the business was like, and then kind of what did you take from having that business and running that business into what you do today? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'll take you one step further back, which is I jumped into the cannabis space 
about four years prior to that, where I was involved in extractions and creating products such as vape pens, shatter, you name it, we were making it. And that actually led me to my partnership with CBD. Once that business stopped, I was approached by two gentlemen that uh, felt that I could execute a product project that they had in mind. And we sat down together and we discussed what the logistics would be and what it would look like. And, uh, you know, I felt like I could execute on a high level. And that was kind of the entry into CBD. Um, we developed a product. We, we launched with four vape pens. Uh, we were the first experience-based company. And so what do I mean by that? Each vape pen had an experience based on the mixture that was in the vape pen. So we were using essential oils combined with CBD to get the healing properties to say, create a calm experience in the body. You know, our leading selling pen was the calm pen, which, you know, had vanilla, lavender and peppermint, which are known to have the calming effect. Plus you have the CBD cannabinoids, which, you know, if you're extracting uh, high concentrated CBD, you're getting all the cannabinoids that come along with that. You know, if you're getting a whole plant experience, you're having the CBDs, such as the, the other cannabinoids, such as CBG, CBN, which also contribute to that experience in the body. So once we found that we had a platform, a product that we knew was new, we had located a gap in the market. Nobody was doing anything like this in Canada at the time. We we're experience-based. We had very strong pillars of, of you know, only using the best quality vape pens. Um, we, were, we were offering microdosing, which nobody was doing at that time as well. So it made it very user-friendly for anybody who took on our product. So we had a really strong approach, a really strong entrance to the market. and. Once we developed the flavors and got those absolutely nailed, you know, we were off the races and we had early success. There were tons of dispensaries open in Vancouver at that time, and they wanted to try our product and people got really excited. And because of the way we designed it and, you know, there's a lot to it that we really executed well, that just gave us an expedited process in the space. Hmm. Wonderful. I'm very interested then, you know, You've got a big emphasis on brand and, and, and you obviously have a very strong philosophy around brand. Where did that sort of start to emerge for you? And, and like, what was it that made you sort of land on, on how important brand is and the fact that a lot of us, certainly entrepreneurs and, and SMEs, we, we need support with our brand and brand is very important. Where yeah. did that emerge from? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And, you know, it goes back to my first business, the extraction business. And as we were extracting, I had a partner that was, let's just say, overambitious with how many products he wanted to move with. And through working with him and through work developing products, I just developed a love for branding and understanding what strategy really meant. And to be totally honest, how much we lack strategy in the first business. And because of that, ultimately led us to end right? Like brand strategy is so important for any business. It dictates how you're going to move in the market, how you're going to land with your customers, how you're going to maintain consistency so that people can recognize you, whether you're speaking, whether they're seeing visuals, you know, a, a social media post, it is everything of how a business is recognized and moved. So as we developed for my first business, there were a lot of inconsistencies. We tried to launch with 10 products off the hop, which, you know, that just led to huge overhead, mismanagement, being late with uh, deliveries, not actually representing the product as well as we had. Now that I'm really firm in brand strategy and really understand what that means, I look back on what we had and the opportunity that we missed. We led the way in live resin. Live resin is when you extract from the cannabis plant when it's still in its uh, wet form. It's not dried, which gives it a really pungent terpene derived odor that is, you know, just unique to that product. And now we're the, the leading brand in that area, but we weren't able to recognize that. And so learning from my mistakes, which has ultimately led me to my path in CBD, was why we had such success in that market. Because then I knew exactly what to do. It was, okay, we have an opportunity here. Let's not overextend ourselves. Let's get really solid in our strategy, understand why we're doing this, who's going to relate to this, and what gap we found, what differentiator. How, like, how are we going to stand out? There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people doing this in both the U.S. and Canada. So how are you going to stand out amongst the competitor, all the noise? 
And so that's where brand strategy came in. And it was, it really landed with me. It was when I, we ordered our products and, you know, I opened the box for the first time and I looked at that packaging and I was like, wow, we have a really cool product here and recognizing how can we really highlight this? How can we tell our audience, like you need to buy this product because it is second to none because of all these exceptional qualities and how can we market it in a way that's different than other people? So it's a culmination of things, but it really started with my first company and recognizing the mistakes that we made, but at the same time, just falling in love with my first product that I created and being like, wow, I created this and now it's my job to, to get it in front of an audience and describe it in the best way possible. So that's really kind of how I landed in it. And in your introduction, you talked about being a, you talked about healing brands, like I, I'm sure you use the words brand healer. Mm. Forgive me if I if I misheard. Can you just so that I know that I'm I've got the right thing? Something when you said it, I was like, "Ooh, healing. Mm. That's yeah. that's interesting. I want to explore that a little bit." Yeah, I appreciate that, and uh, you you nailed it. Like my clients have started to refer to me as the brand healer. So I don't necessarily work with startups. Some startups do come with me, and it's, I'm not against working with startups. It's just that generally. The clientele that comes to me, they're stuck in their business in some way. And after doing a discovery and exploring through their business and their brand, I'll find some inconsistencies or some things that are just out of alignment. And maybe something that's out of alignment with the individual. Generally, you know, our businesses, if we're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur with a small team, it is a reflection of the head figure in that business. And by bringing these things into alignment, we create that flow. And that's what we ultimately want. I mean, that's what you want in your life. And that's what you want in your business is the ease of things flowing. If you have your messaging that's out of alignment, or if you think you're talking to a different audience, but really you're talking to another audience and that, and that's out of alignment, you're not going to be able to sell. People aren't going to understand you. They're not going to feel you. Right. So what I do as the brand healer is I bring things into alignment so that everything is consistent so that we know who we're talking to, when they're talking to, how we're talking to them. Our voice, our tone, everything is all in aligned, and then how we're going to grow from there. Mm. I have a feeling. So I've had a little bit of experience of this myself. So as a solopreneur, um, having a vision, having an idea, mm-hmm. but it's it's the energy for me was in producing the output. What I would say was I had a lot of blind spots, uh, and still have undoubtedly around brand so i'm operating completely outside of my conscious awareness because i'm focusing on product and and process and all that sort of thing how how would we work together to be able to i guess what i'm trying to say is like have you come in so that you could then would you come in and look at how we engage with the world and look for patterns or inconsistencies or areas, gaps, you know, as you said, you know, we, we think we're giving one message to one demographic, but actually we're, we're not, we're, we're maybe go, it's going somewhere else or it's getting lost. How would we work together in that kind of a scenario? Yeah. So first I would do an audit or a discovery session with you where I would ask you a series, a slew of questions, a lot of questions to really get a feel of where you've been, to where you're going, how you're talking, and to get an understanding of, of what might be out of alignment. Generally, somebody comes to me and they say, like, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble with my messaging or my positioning, or, um, you know, I don't know how to get my point across. There's a, a slew of things that people uh, come to me for. Yourself, the, the way you describe yourself, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're focused on the end result. And now I would bring you back to the, to the foundation and, and check to make sure that there's no cracks. And that, that includes a ton of things from, like I've previously mentioned, you know, your client avatar, um, your brand positioning, brand voice, how you're talking, how you're messaging. I'd go through your, your, uh, your social media accounts, previous testimonials, and really understand kind of what your strengths and weaknesses are and build from there and make sure that everything's in alignment. Mm. Yeah, we we all like to do what we're passionate about, right? So one of my particular blind spots, for example, is I am of a certain generation, John, let's be honest. And it's it's an older generation than yours. And 
like social media and and kind of branding is it's not something that we were very so let me put it another way i'm very aware that younger generations are very conscious of brand whether it's their personal brand on social media um or, or you know organizations that they want to be attached to or brands that they like to wear because they're very conscious that it tells the world a lot about them some people in my generation not all i appreciate i am a bit of a luddite with these sorts of things but we we don't see the benefit what we see is we go oh you know i'm spending like x amount of money on marketing and i don't seem to be making the breakthroughs that i need to be making but i have no idea like where i'm going i i, I like facebook right i say i like facebook i prefer facebook to any other social media but i very rarely interact with it tiktok is an anathema to me but it may be you come in and you say sorry ray but the demographic that you're trying to target they access things via tiktok you know like how would we have that conversation where you're you're basically in a very polite way trying to say to me i'm missing something big here and i need to pay attention to it yeah, that's a tough question because, I mean, specifically to social media, I mean, there are different age groups that are on different social medias. I mean, that goes without saying, but I mean, it's a learning process for what your offer is and if your audience is there. So myself, for example, you know, I spent the majority of the beginning of with, with Brand Roots on Instagram. Why? Because of my previous business, I had a lot of success through Instagram. What I found is that my audience... I haven't at least accessed my audience in Instagram and it's become more of a business card. So if I were to meet you on the street and you ask me what I do and I say, I'm an expert brand strategist and personal guide. And you say, okay, cool. And you know, we have a good conversation and you're kind of thinking, you're, you know, like there might be something there, but you, you know, I'm going to leave it for today. I'm like, okay, you know, check my Instagram. And then you can really go on there and kind of get a grasp of who I am, the content that I'm offering and everything else. Like I would assess what you're doing on, on, on Facebook before I would move you to another one to assume that your client is, is there. And depending on the audience that you're trying to target, we can make base assumptions that, yeah, okay, younger generation, probably TikTok. Um, older generation, Facebook is generally their, their hangout. But that doesn't mean that we're not, that you, your audience isn't there. It just might, you might not be speaking to your audience in a, in a, in a way that they can digest it through Facebook and they might actually be in those groups. So we need to really assess kind of what you're doing, what your strategy is. And if you are, if you're talking to them in the right light or in a, in a manner that they understand, right? Like, are you talking to their pain points? That's a huge thing. Like, you know, if you're not highlighting what somebody might be struggling with, you're not, it's going to fall on deaf ears. If you're creating content that doesn't solve a solution for them, or at least put them in the direction of that, then again, you know, they're not going to hear you, right? So it's, it's evaluating what you're doing and then assessing, you know, we might explore another avenue on, on a different social media platform or may just revamp what you're doing on Facebook. Mm. I guess what I'm getting really excited about with, with what you do is because, and, and I do get this with friends and colleagues and, and others that I work with, there are, there are things we like to do and there are things that we go, oh, I can't, I can't get my head around that. I'm going to put it in the too difficult to deal with box. Mm -hmm. And, and what I'm liking from hearing from you, Sean, is that actually a conversation with you and working with you would, it would give me a different frame of reference because yes. I, even as I was listening to you and we're talking about social media and stuff and the whole brand thing, I'm just, there's a little voice in my head going, Oh, that's just out of your, it's, you, you'll never get it right. Like, don't, don't even go there. So I think there could be a lot potentially that people like me and maybe some people that are listening are, are blind to, or are maybe even, let's be honest, a little bit afraid of mm -hmm. in terms of getting into that whole sphere of looking at branding and, and, and actually accepting that it's incredibly important that a conversation with you would be a way of really opening up to that kind of part of our business. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that, that is a, a reason to hire a consultant is to make it easier and more digestible for you to move into these places. And at the same time, I'm a huge proponent for ROI. 
So return on investment. And that's just like, we're not good at everything. I'm not good at everything. And that just goes without saying. And the more time that we spend in areas that we should be contracting out, we're not getting the return on our investment or on, on our energy, right? So I'm a big proponent for hiring somebody for that position or just moving some of that work somewhere else so that I'm not constantly struggling through something and I'm putting my energy where I am good. Hmm. And let's talk a little bit about the personal side. So mm-hmm. obviously we talk about brands and, and certainly when I think about brands, I think about logos and sort of big organizations. But you also, you, you have a link there within what you do with the personal too, with the, the solopreneur, as we say, or the, the founder owner uh, or, or founder chief exec. Can you unpack that a little bit for us and, and talk to us about the, the relationship between personal and perhaps a, a, an organizational brand? Yeah, of course. I'm happy you brought that up. So what makes us really different is that Brand Roots combines personal development with business development to instill confidence in both, right? And so what do I mean by that? Like the solopreneur and entrepreneur path is another word for personal development in my opinion. And I really want to be known for pointing this out, that as you go as a business owner, as a solopreneur, you're faced with challenge after challenge. And it's up to you whether or not you rise to that challenge or you shy away from it, right? And if you shy away from challenge after challenge, you're not going to be an entrepreneur. You're not going to take this path. But as you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you grow as an individual. So we're actually doing the personal development work as we progress in our businesses without actually knowing it. I'm a big believer that you cannot grow as an individual and be an entrepreneur at at the same time. It's just not possible because as you overcome and and prove to yourself time and time again, where it's like, wow, this is really hard, but I did it. You're growing as an individual. And so what I do is I bring in some of the tools of the personal development. And I'm not talking about the deep trauma work or anything of that nature. I'm talking about limiting beliefs. Generally, we have an uncanny ability to expose things about ourselves through conversations. And that could be something, a belief about ourselves that we don't have the confidence to move forward or that we're not worthy of the success or whatever it may be. And when something like that is brought up, we deal with it and we coach the person through that and understand why that belief is there and ultimately remove that belief so it doesn't hinder their growth in their business. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like leadership and entrepreneurship can be an incredibly lonely place. Yes. And it's very easy to get disheartened or, you know, you're constantly taking knocks. And and, and one of the most important things is resilience, because any successful entrepreneur, if they ever tell you that they never got knocked down, they're telling you lies. And, yeah. and even in your own story, what I love about your backstory, Sean, is that, you know, you've had great success. And within that, there's been fluctuations. You've had ups and downs and you've so you've had to develop that resilience. And maybe sometimes we we focus too much or we can be very hard on ourselves. You know, if the business takes a knock, we take it very personally. And what I love is that mixture of, you know, focusing on the personal development side of things as well. Because if we don't have that, like you say, the two go hand in glove and can't be a successful entrepreneur unless you've got an element of personal resilience. Exactly. And that's what we focus on is creating that empowered mindset, that unshakable mindset so that when you do come across a challenge or if you do fail at something, that you're not sitting there beating yourself up. Like our mind can be our greatest asset or it can be our greatest enemy. You know, if I look back and like you said, like I've had a lot of success in the CBD space and I use success in quotations because success is different for everybody. And generally success is alluding to financial success. But if you go back to my first business, which I consider an epic failure, you know, I spent three and a half years, but failure in the absence of judgment becomes your greatest success because all the learning is there. And that is what I really tell people about myself as, you know, when they ask, well, what I do or how did I get so good at what I do? I say, I had to fall on my face a hundred times in order to understand what to do right. And then ultimately have the success in the following business. And it's your greatest teacher as hard as it is and how your mind wants to go 
beat you up and sit in that stew in that misery like oh I failed and this and that it's like yeah but you know what you tried and there's a lesson there to be learned and if you can take that lesson and apply it to the next time I can almost guarantee you're not going to fail you're definitely not going to repeat that mistake yeah I, I love that I can't remember who exactly it was I might be misquoting this but I'm pretty sure it was Richard Branson that said like success is not about not failing success is about not repeating the same mistake twice Yes. So you be prepared to make mistakes because you'll never really, you, there's always an element of risk. And so you've got to be prepared to fail. But what you need to be determined to do is to not fail on the same thing twice. Yes. So yeah. fail on something new. That's okay. But don't fail on what you failed on before because it means you're not learning. And instead of talking about the failure, why don't we talk about the courage that you had to utilize to pick yourself up and continue, right? Like nobody ever talks about that. It's like, okay. Yeah. Everybody wants to hyper-focus on the failure. It's okay, what about the persevered through the failure? And what about the courage? Why don't we honor that and be like, hey, man, you're courageous, dude. You you know, you failed and, and you picked yourself up and, and kept going. That's tough to do. Yeah. I remember talking to somebody last year for an interview and he was saying to me, so he, he had a business, his very first business uh, in market terms had failed. But he said, actually, it was one of his greatest successes because his next enterprise blew <laughs> absolutely blue and yeah. and and he sold it for a significant amount of money so he said that first business that went under wasn't a failure it was part of his today success because these mm -hmm. things are not isolated and and in and of themselves you're building constantly and that's kind of what i like your approach of working with the personal as well as with the company brand and stuff because the two cannot be separated exactly exactly hmm. If the person's not fit to continue or to grow their business, the business will only grow so far, right? It's, it's up to the person of whether or not they're up to next challenges that they're going to face. Can, can we get that mind ready for the even harder challenges ahead of themselves so that the business can continue to grow? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And just on that, it, it's, like, it's nice to hear that again because success is so subjective, so subjective, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We get so fixated on what society says success should be, and we miss what is maybe the most important thing for us, don't we? And that's just it. I mean, like, that goes for a lot of words. And that's something that I work with my clients is redefining certain words that are hindering them from their success, right? Like, uh, yeah, so we we take on other people's definitions, you know, especially our parents, you know, we're so conditioned and, and a lot of our beliefs and our, our definitions are formed from ages zero through seven. Mm. So the definition of success can mean something completely different to you than it does to me. Um, you know, I've redefined the word coach with a client. you know, I'm, uh, another word was creative, you know, it's like all these words that we put these energetic blockages around us. And if I say I'm not creative, you know, Right off the, the hop, you're putting that block where it's like, okay, well, that creativity is no longer coming into you. So how can we redefine that so that it, it means something different for you so that you actually can access your creativity? Because that is another word that's something is, is completely different to everyone else. I never viewed myself as creative. And then when I witnessed myself through my branding process and my, my growth, it's like, okay, no, I, I've a ton of creativity. It just doesn't show up in drawing or, or artistic. You know, it's like, it shows up in strategy and, uh, you know, creative thinking and, and different perspectives. So it's something that's totally different. So by re redefining it, it allows the creativity to flow smoothly opposed to you saying I'm not creative and then it just stops. Mm, absolutely. And, and when you say about the developmental stages of zero to seven, so I study transactional analysis and we actually talk about stuff pre-zero as well. So in utero, um, because you're taking on what's going on around you and we often talk about things called injunctions which other people might call labels or limiting beliefs and they're they can be either from society or from significant caregivers or whatever but it might be for example and coming back to what what you were just saying there when i was in school we were told that there was no point in doing drama because you'd never make a career out of it you know, mm -hmm. you're not going to be an actor, so don't bother doing drama. So I didn't do drama. Mm -hmm. Actually, what I've learned later in life in my mid 40s was that I love dance. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at it. Some people might not even consider it to be dancing. Maybe it's just energetic moving. 
but I love it and I love drama. And, I, you know, I realized that it was other people handing me limiting beliefs or labels like, you know, you're never going to be an actor. So, you know, forget all that, forget all that drama business or art or whatever it might be, music. Mm -hmm. And it became a limiting belief. I can't enjoy drama or dance or anything like that because I can never make, I'm doing quotes, air quotes now as well. You'll <laughs> never make, you'll never make a career of it in quotation marks. Right. But yeah. And, and, and when you were saying about like working with the individual and limiting beliefs, like those periods of our life from zero to seven is, it, I liken it to a snowball being rolled in dirt. Mm -hmm. When you're born, you're a beautiful, pure thing. And then you get rolled around in society and in education and everything else. And you pick up all of this detritus that then coats you. And when mm -hmm. you look in the mirror, you see that coating. You don't see the, the beautiful purity underneath. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I like what you do in your approach, because you're, you're working with people to realize that that is just as important for their development as getting in a brand strategist to sort their brand out because if you don't do both there won't be a, a coherence between the two so i i love where you're coming exactly. from with that exactly and i love that analogy that you use that we get all the dirt over the snow and that's the dirt for me is experiences but it's also words so words are spells right and what you're talking about where you heard that you drama is you never make a career of it it's like, okay, so somebody just casted a spell on you, which gave you that limiting belief that you'll never amount to anything if you go into drama. You know, the number one thing that I'd say everybody hears is that they're not a good singer. You know, generally you have to have like the perfect tune for somebody to be like, oh, you can sing. But as soon as you cast that spell on somebody, that goes, permeates their subconscious and they no longer think they believe they can sing and will never, well, not never, but may take to their 40s or later um, you know, for me, it was 30s and uh, to be like, hey, you know what, maybe I can sing or maybe I can act or maybe I can dance. And I'm just living by what somebody said to me and, and putting that box around me, that label and, uh, you know, taking it on as my own definition of myself, which, you know, just totally hinders somebody's growth. It's, it's you know, mm. being uh, impeccable with your word is, is incredibly important and you know that's something that society's just lost touch with and we're constantly saying these negative things about each other and you know putting these limiting beliefs in our in our minds wedging those energetic blocks within our bodies and our minds yeah and even okay so what i do may not be dancing mm -hmm. but it brings me joy, brings and, joy. and generates energy and so hey I don't care what it, what it's called. It's just for the joy of it. And, and I do see that with children that this drive to, you know, get good grades in math and, and, and English and, and other stuff, it just drives the joy out of learning and experiencing and all that sort of thing. And what you're doing, I guess, to a certain extent is you're probably touching that part in people that maybe they haven't been able to express for some time. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to go in the education system, man, I can talk for another podcast on that one. <laughs> well, I, 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 honestly, I don't know if you've ever come across a guy called Sir Ken Robinson. He did a couple of TED Talks. He's dead now, unfortunately. But it, he talked about education killing creativity. Yeah. Because does. we teach children to be terrified of failing. That exactly. And it also teaches that there's an authority figure that you need to listen to. And uh, it also takes away the critical thinking. You know, we're taught to memorize. We're not taught to actually use our brains. You know, does that information fit? Is that actually, you know, maybe that's not correct, you know, what they're teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it is correct, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah. You exactly. know, and, and understanding that individualism and, and stop trying to wear clothes that somebody else has given us feel free to go out and, and get the clothes that fit our bodies you know they leave out subjects that are so important why don't we learn holistic health why don't we learn finances why don't we learn how money works you know it's like we we are taught subjects that will most likely never utilize and doesn't really leave much for growth or opportunity so i mean 
putting everybody in the category that they need to fit in this box is ludicrous in my, my opinion, you know? So I never felt like I fit in the courses that were designed for me. And, you know, in turn, I never really learned how I learned, how, you know, what I was good at, where I excelled because, you know, I was told that I need to fit in this box and I didn't fit. There needs to be other options and, and other ways to, to learn, teach and, and uh, access our creativity. We're all limitless beings. We just don't know it. We're all put, we've all had these limitations put on us by our schools, our parents, um, our peers and everything else. But the truth is that once you let go of what everybody else wants you to believe about yourself and truly get to the, the essence of who you are, you're a limitless being and you can create anything you want. So I'm really curious, Sean, about what you just said. So, so imagining that child that was told that they, you know, they needed to conform to a particular thing. And then the evidence is that as a young man, you started two businesses that were in their moment quite disrupt, not disruptive, disruptive isn't the right word, but they were kind of very early. They were, you know, it was quite early on in the development of those markets, if you like, you know, you were into the vaping stuff and then you got into the CBD. Was Sean in there deliberately and, and purposefully going, hell, I can just do this and I'm just going to have a go. Um, you know what, that touches upon something really interesting, actually, because, you know, like coming out of the education, say out of uh, high school, you know, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't feel like it set me up for success in any way. And I ended up transitioning into uh, trades, you know, I became an electrician for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it a lot when I was doing it for the most part, but I hit a point about mid midway point where, you know, I was really unhappy with where I ended up. And I didn't really see a bright future in that in that area. And, you know, uh, my main reason for going into business was because I was so unhappy with what I was doing in my life that I wanted to take a chance in, in an industry that I believed in. Like, you know, like I believe in, like, obviously marijuana has a bad stigma, but, you know, like healing properties behind it, it really is medicine for pain for so many different things. And uh, I saw it as an opportunity at that point to just be like, you know what, I'm not happy where I am. I'm going to take a leap of faith in, in, in an area that does excite me, does, does interest me. And, uh, you know, that started my entrepreneurial path. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up and kind of the reasons that I got into business, but it, it all does kind of come from not having the foundation of knowing who I was and what I wanted in my life. And I was just kind of going through the steps, you know, we're all told these steps, you know, go to school, get a good grades, uh, go to, um, what do you call it? Post-secondary school get a career, get married, have kids, buy a house. It's, it's all programmed into us, right? But it doesn't work for everybody. And that was really me breaking the shackles. And, and you know, that's when I really was diving into the, the beginning of personal development for myself and recognizing that I had built a persona based off, you know, what attributes and, and uh, characteristics people had given me about myself. A lot of them were true. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I was acting as somebody that I wasn't, but I'm saying like underneath that, I realized I was really just going with the flow of kind of what everybody else was doing opposed to what I wanted to do. And once I connected to myself, that was just like, you know, like shattering. Like that was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I've always acted like that to some degree, but this was with like the essence of what I want to do with my life. Mm. And I guess now you're kind of, you're living that with clients. I guess as well, because you're bringing them into their awareness, what yes. speaks to them. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's quite profound. And it, and it comes back to why you're doing what you do, but also how you're doing what you do and the results that you're getting through doing what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that. So I want to just come back to, because you've gone from a situation where you were a partner in a business mm -hmm. and now you are a solopreneur. I mean, you've, you've got a pretty tough sort of board of non-execs there behind you, but you know, in your family and we all need them. Mm -hmm. Like what for you has been the learning in, in that transition? Yeah. I mean, like, it's been an interesting transition. My first two businesses, my first business I had one partner and my second business I had two partners. And the benefits to having partners is the obvious that you're not responsible for everything. Um, you know, with my second partnership, the three of us had distinct roles and that really helped for the expansion of the business because there are three areas of the business that were so well taken care of 
and we knew each other had responsibility of those. So we didn't have to worry about them ourselves. Now, partnerships are tough. And anybody that says it's easy, like my first partnership was with my best friend of 20 years. And, you know, we no longer really have a relationship. And there's a reason that saying that don't go into business with friends and families has been, been said for decades. And that was a tough learning lesson for myself. So the benefit that I've had on going my own is that every decision, there's no roadblocks, there's no confrontation based off the direction that you want to take the brand. And it really puts the onus on you. And it's also taken me on my next evolution of confidence. And so what do I mean by that? You know, when you have other people filling roles that you know you can't do or that you might not be as good at, but then you choose to take it on yourself and, you know, you might be allocating and finding people to fill those roles, but you're responsible. You're responsible for everything, every decision, every uh, direction that you go. And, and that just helped me evolve as a person because now I'm responsible. I'm taking full ownership for the mistakes. I'm taking full ownership for the growth. And, uh, and it's been a huge success for me in, the, in that regard. Hmm. So I, I want to, because we kind of jumped around a, a number of things there. And I, I want to bring it back to the, the, you know, the strategy piece, the brand strategy, because this is very, I recognize the language, but it's in terms of actually engaging with it, it's quite a, a new thing for me. And as I've already explained for various reasons, it's a little bit of a challenge. So you come in and you do the the health check, the temperature check, and, and see what what's going on within the business. Mm-hmm. When you talk about developing a brand strategy, are you actually talking about writing it down? Is, is this something that is best committed to a like a a formal strategy document with a plan and everything else? Yes, exactly. I mean, we work through each of the categories that I've mentioned, you know, one of the most powerful tools that you can use as a brand strategist or any brand uh, business owner is competitor analysis. And so competitor analysis can be a a many of things. And, you know, it really shows you what is out there, what's missing, um, how to be different, what people are excelling at, what people are kind of dropping the ball on, right? So, We go through all these steps. There's a significant amount of steps. And depending on what the client has come to me for will depend on where we start. But uh, through this, we'll organize a document from messaging to positioning to differentiation, what the competitors are doing, um, what else, brand voice, you know, building out your client avatar and actually having an image of who that client is, how they want to be spoken to, what their pain points are, what their goals are you know, why would they buy this product? So through all this discovery and and, uh, all these brand sessions, we put everything into a brand guide and and hand it back as a deliverable so that it's something that we can refer back to all the time when we're creating the messaging outside for social media or your website or uh, a deck, you know, like it goes into everything. So it's, it's kind of your, your roadmap, your blueprint. So you're, in the services that you provide, you, you very much follow this all the way through. You're like, you're engaged with um, producing materials, I guess is the way to put it, like to put out there. Is, is that, is that fair? Um, I wouldn't say I'm not, I'm responsible for that. That depends on the client, right? So we have packages based off different uh, requirements. You know, we have our messaging package or we have the brand roots packages, which is the all encompassing package, which touches upon all the different things that I've talked about in this session. And, you know, anything outside of that can be extra, but we do offer services in say creating a content strategy or creating a podcast strategy or other, other services that kind of are the next step of utilizing the information that we come up with with you. Okay. So if I had, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm literally just plucking stuff out of the air here. So I've got somebody who's uh, part of the production side for a podcast. Then I've got some people who write articles for me to, that I post on my website and stuff. You might be able to come in. And so we've developed a strategy uh, with your support and consultation and we want to now sort of start rolling that out across our different content creators. You'd be able to kind of give them some support to make sure that they're, whatever they're creating and producing is in line with the strategy that we've agreed. Yes, exactly. It's, it's all about keeping it consistent and, uh, you know, across all platforms and all touch points for potential clients. Hmm. And last question, and then I'm going to throw it open. Okay. What sort of, so how long has Brand Roots been going now? Uh, one year. 
Okay, maybe this is not even a question that you can ask. I'm very interested to understand some of the, you don't have to name names, obviously, but, you know, some of the things, people you've worked with and and some of the things that you've done in in that year. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm currently working with a design agency. They've come to me and, and, uh, you know, express that they're having trouble with their messaging. Um, So we've worked together to create a a theme idea that we can, you know, kind of streamline all the the messaging from, which has been a beautiful thing. I'm not going to talk too much about it because there is confidentiality, but that's that's one client that I'm working with right now. A previous client, he was in real estate and he needed help with, you know, really understanding what his business stood on. So we created four fundamental pillars that uh, differentiated him from his competitors. So he could have that on his landing page. We also built that landing page for him and uh, put it in a, in a digestible, really strong way. So that when people come on, they're like, wow, okay, I know exactly what this person stands for and what differentiates them from their competitors. You know, I've worked with a psilocybin ceremonialist. Um, that was an awesome experience. And, you know, what I did with her, you know, when we started, there was a slew of offers. There was so many different uh, things that she did. And through self-discovery and really understanding who she was, we connected to her purpose and realized that she wanted to give these ceremonies um, as a focus. And we built a brand around that. And, you know, she's off the races, you know, she's done so well since we've worked together and, and uh, you know, it's been great to see so it's been a real wide variety. The commonality is that uh, there's service-based offers that I work with. And generally, they're people that want to kind of disrupt isn't the right word, but, uh, you know, be a unique offer within their industry. And that's really kind of the pattern that I've seen of people who show up with me. And, and you know, if you want to go into more previous clients, I can. There's, there's a number of them. So mm. let me know if that kind of answers your question. It, it does. And so I'm... Uh... I'm quite a, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and the Simon Mm. Sinek philosophy around understanding your why and putting your why out there as your, your reason for existing either as a, as a solopreneur or as a, an entrepreneur with a, with a bigger business or whatever it might be. So what I'm hearing is that actually as part of what you do, you're connecting somebody's why Mm -hmm. to the, to what they put out there in terms of this is why this is why we exist as a business and this is why we do what we do. Exactly. Is that that fair? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, generally my experience right now has been working with a lot of solopreneurs and so unearthing their personal why has been a huge benefit as well. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to touch upon before the end of this interview is that we get so involved in our businesses. They consume us. Like, you know, I got to the point with CBD, the fuel CBD that, uh, you know, I developed a reputation amongst friends, family, peers, you name it, as a CBD guy. And when that ended, you know, it really left me at a, at a weird place because I had attached my personality to that brand. And now, so what I do with clients is I, I want to get clear on why they're in business personally, what their business purpose is, and then also make sure that they understand that they're separate from their business and that where would they be if they didn't have this? So it's unearthing both wise going forward with the business on, on why the business is there, understanding that bridging the two, but also understanding that, that we're separate from each other. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, like my brain is firing now because I'm also thinking that, you know, maybe if there, if I find myself in a situation where things feel a bit stale, mm-hmm. it's potentially because I'm moving away from my why. And working with you or or somebody like you would be an opportunity to realign that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you you know, sometimes uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but you get it. You just get a sense that whatever it is about what I'm doing, it doesn't quite feel authentic to me. Yes. And and I I wonder if that's because there is that maybe that slight misalignment with what we are on an existential level. Yeah. So, you know, what I heard from that, and I I really appreciate you bringing that up is that when our, when us ourselves are out of alignment, then it shows in your business. Is that kind of what you're saying? Is that, is that? Yeah. Yeah. And and also like if, if we're struggling to make decisions, Mm -hmm. 
is that because those decisions are not the decisions or the options that we feel we have are not in line with who we are at an identity level at an existential level right so if the business is a reflection of yourself it is crucial this is one something that i i teach and, and do with my clients is understanding your personal core values because the personal core values are what make your decisions right they're also why you feel uncomfortable in, in in situations you know somebody says something and all of a sudden you feel really uncomfortable and don't know what to say or don't feel like adding anything it's because something's been challenged that you believe right so understanding those root beliefs for both your business and yourself is a way to kind of navigate through that because you're the one selling your business so you have to have similar core values or be in alignment with the business that you are selling so knowing that about yourself is so important and how you move and how your business moves and how you are going to convey it to others yeah i've had coaching clients in the past who've come to me business owners and they're like i've fallen out of love with my business mm -hmm. Or I just not enjoying it anymore, you know, those sorts of terms. And when when you unpack that a little bit, what you start to find is that there is the business suddenly has become a job. Yes. And I, I was aware and what we would do in that situation is we, we would look at we'd get down into the psychological levels and we'd understand a little bit about how what we see as our identity and our purpose and our values and our beliefs and then we would plot that against the organization and if there's an, an, a misalignment then that might be something that the client wants to go away and work on mm -hmm. you're taking that to another level because you're doing that first piece that i would do as a coach but then you're able to say right okay so let's take this to the next practical level let's look for a brand strategy that brings that back in alignment. Mm -hmm. And so what I see you being able to do over and above a kind of a, a standard coach, clunky term, I know, forgive me, folks, but you know, you, you're both discovering with the client and then you're resolving. Whereas sometimes as pure coaches, yeah, we get feedback later on. Maybe the client comes back and says, you know, I had a massive breakthrough and I've I've done all these things and I'm, I'm back to where I need to be, but you actually get to be part of that potentially that, that must be pretty cool, right? It, yeah, it really is. And, and, uh, you know, I believe that uh, a gift that I have is, is finding the gifts in others and really empowering them to step forward and really embracing that part of themselves. So connecting to their why and understanding why they have skin in the game, why they want to do this is so important for me to understand that person as well. Right. And understanding their personal goals and ambitions and where they excel is another, another thing to, that I really get excited about. Right. And uh, you said it really perfectly where, you know, businesses get stale. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, you know, I love everything that I do, but what we want to do is get back to the why we're doing it the areas that we love and anything that we don't love, we want to eventually be giving those parts away so that we can really focus on what it is that we do excel at and what we do love. And that ignites that fire. And for me, it's working with the individual. You know, I love sitting there and I love strategizing and I love coming back to them and being like, Hey, you know what? I know you're going this direction, but this direction would be a game changer. And if you can really, you know, see it yourself in that position, then, and if, if they get excited about that, I get excited and that fills my cup. Right. And then I leave away, leave glowing, they leave happy and it's, and it's, it's great. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I got tons of days where I'm sitting at a desk in front of a computer and uh, you know, working on, you name it. And you know, that's not where I want to be. I want to be with the person. Right. So it's like, how can I get rid of those things and focus on what I love? Yeah. And all, all those Ray campions out there, listen to this man, because when you, when you try to wrap a towel around your head because you don't want to even think about brand because you feel so out of your comfort zone, there are people out there like Sean to, to call mm. upon, thankfully. Yes, thank you. So, Sean, tell us about design because uh, I come from a, an engineering background, so design is something very specific and ends up with a whole lot of drawings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But design is much more than that for you. So... Tell us about the, the work you do around design. 
Yeah, amazing. Um, design is is a lot of the time, you know, your first impression with people. So, I mean, it is in so important that you have some kind of design that reflects your business or that tells part of your story or a color scheme that, you know, draws your client in. And, uh, you know, so we focus on three things at Brand Roots and it's brand strategy, brand design, and you, because those are the three real important things to a successful brand. So we have an in-house designer who's absolutely fantastic that will go through a discovery with you on what you think your brand would look like, what kind of it relates to, and really uncover how you view it and how you want others to view it. From there, you know, we'll start building out logos and different kind of color palettes and kind of really start building the design aspect of your brand for people that you're trying to get in contact with can really relate based off the design that you're putting forward. Um, the one thing that people do get mistaken is that branding means design. Branding is so much more than design, but the design plays a pivotal role in the brand and the brand strategy. Mm, yeah, I like that. Uh, the way I would explain that to people around it being much more than design is every item of clothing that we put on, we go and buy a suit, we are exercising our brand. So it's more than just going and buying us any old suit. It's it's about making sure that it's the right style and fit and color and all of those things and maybe even the right label, et cetera, et cetera. So when you say that, I totally get about brand being much more than design. And what I like is, you know, the three elements, the strategy, design, and you. I, I love the way you're, you're bringing the individual into it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I love that uh, analogy because I mean, you think about how you view someone that shows up in a, in a suit or a blazer or a fancy dress and, you know, you're just like, okay, you know, what is this person about? Where are they headed? You know, there's so many questions that pop in your mind opposed to where, you know, if you show up in, you know, your sweats and, and you know, your super casual clothes, like, okay, this guy's just going to, you know, he's looking to chill or whatever, right? It's a, a very, di- it's a different kind of look and people kind of perceive you differently, right? It's the same thing with a brand. So it's like putting your design forward and having those strong points can can really get you into the eyes of the people that you want looking. Mm. Yeah, like I just as you said that, I kind of was like, so we're so judgmental as, as human beings and we, you know, first impressions are incredibly important and, and people make a lot of conclusions about you within the first couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. And imagine folks out there listening to this, that the, the one bit of you that people get to see is maybe your logo. And so you want them to understand a little bit about your why just by looking at your logo and the emotions, feelings, imagery that that evokes in them about you because that i guess will really affect that split second decision of whether they're going to engage with you or not i Mm -hmm. suppose and and that's me saying that from a very unmarketing unbrand background but i i really do understand that because we did a piece of work with some of the training i'm doing recently about we just flashed some logos up and we just asked people to respond with what emotion they had in the moment of seeing that logo. Mm -hmm. And it was a very interesting experience to hear what came up for people. The design that you use from your logo to throw your website and the colors, um, you know, it's a visual language, right? So people understand you better based off your visuals as well, right? So all plays a part in, in your image how you come across and how people perceive you. Mm, a visual language. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. And the first couple of seconds, the opportunity that you've got to grab somebody's attention might just be with the color palette that you choose on your logo or on your website or whatever it might be in that split second. It either invites people in, draws people in or they're gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Wow. That's that's both that's both exciting and terrifying at the same time, Sean. <laughs> For sure, yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, jeez. Well, Sean, it's been a it's been a great journey. You know, we've talked around a number of things and we've come back to some stuff, and I've loved 
like the way you articulate what it is you're trying to do and the effect that you're able to generate for your clients. So for me, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. So thank you very much. Amazing. I've enjoyed talking to you. Been uh, Ray, you know, you, you guided that interview beautifully and you asked a lot of really thought provoking questions that pulled a lot out of me. So I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure. Sean, wonderful. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Can you handle the load that you were meant to carry?